and welcome to Stacia Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyford and joined as always by my friend and co-host, Stu Lennon. Hey Stu, how are you today? I'm in brilliant form, thank you, Justin. How are you doing in sunny Canada? Well, it's a little cloudy this morning, but it is another wonderful day in paradise. At least that's what they tell me. Excellent. All right, some follow-up that I want to get into. The HomePod. We were all happy last week. Apple had released a fix for everything. Doesn't work. Yep, I can confirm your findings, sir. It doesn't work. I'm getting even weirder, more fun odds and ends. One will suddenly stop playing. The other one will suddenly stop playing. Yep. One of them will suddenly play five seconds later than the other one. Yep. It's uh, just very, very odd. And and these are the the new fancy little ones. Oh, uh, the big ones, the big old ones, the ones that are discontinued, seem to be better. Apart from the fact that you have to press play twice because after about ten seconds they stop playing and you have to play again. Um, well, I I'll tell you what, I still get all of the ones that you've described. I get on the big ones, and one to look out for is. Because I know, like me, you, you have on occasion played some loud music from your HomePod pair. Yeah. And I was listening to some, one of my, my more favorite bands is the Foo Fighters. Mm. And Foo Fighters don't sound particularly good quiet. I mean, they're, they're kind of a loud band. So yes. I had the music on really loud, rocking out a little bit. And then the corporate world was arriving. So it was, you know, time to get ready for our zoom calls and all of that stuff. So I stopped the music, switched modes, got myself ready for corporate nonsense. Here we go. I'm switched on for corporate nonsense. And ladies and gentlemen, it's a teams meeting. Hi everyone. How are you? And then the home pods burst into life. <laughs> At volume. I don't know a lot. The mm. dogs leapt off the sofas. I jumped out of my seat. People all across the UK were ripping their headphones off as the Foo Fighters came blasting through my mics. Oops. Um, so, so that's one to look out for. Um, the good thing is that all of my younger colleagues went, he, he's not as stuffy as we thought he was. That was rock music. That was, there you go. <laughs> ah, this is why. Foot-operated mute switches are really, really good. <laughs> They're no good if you're up in the air going, what the hell was that? Uh, that's about I'm just actually thinking, because uh, my office here, if I ever have that, um, I, I have, because it's me, I actually have four home pods in one room. <laughs> my writing desk has the stereo pair of the big boys, because, you know, when you... When you're writing and you want to be analog, you want some good tunes. I, and then I still have, which are really just podcast listening ones, my little HomePods mini tucked under my monitor here, mm -hmm. uh, because airplaying from my phone, which is where I listen to all my podcasts to my computer so I can listen to the big speakers that I've got just seems so much work sure. uh, and trying to listen to podcasts and synchronize things across devices. Uh, I just airplay from my phone to my HomePod mini pair. That's right in front of me. That way I can get Syracuse and stereo. And I mean, how could one live without Syracuse and stereo? That's about it. 
All right. What's your tool of the week this week, Stu? Uh, well, my tool of the week was, um, I may be cheating a little bit, accountability. Um, so um, I'm in a in the Focus Course Academy, the, the thing I did with the Sean blog. Um, I was a member of an accelerator, uh, which is another word for a mastermind. Ooh. Um, and uh, recently, you and I uh, got involved in one as well. Mm-hmm. And one of the the things that one tries to do <laughs> is 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 at the end of the mastermind say, okay, these are the things that I'm gonna I'm gonna get done this week, or I'm gonna be working on, or as a kind of accountability tool because I know that I'm gonna get on a call with those people uh, and say, oh yeah, I didn't do all that stuff, or yep, got all that done, <laughs> power, uh, and it really works. Just that tiniest thing of saying saying to a friend, yep, I'm gonna work on. Uh, what was I doing? I was doing a workflow for writing because I don't document any of my workflows, which means that I, I'm often reinventing the wheel. Mm. And so I took, made a promise to myself, right, I'm going to write down my workflow for writing. And I, I turned it to a blog post because, well, that's what bloggers do. Um, but I got it done. Simple as that. Something that's been on my sort of perennial to-do list for oh, probably years. Mm. Um, and it, it makes you think critically about, about why you do things. Um, you know, should I use this app? Should I use that app? Um, what's the most effective? What's the most efficient? What feels the best? Um, so it was a really useful exercise. What about you? What was your digital, well, digital or analog tool of the week? Well, my, my tool of the week was no tool. (laughs) I have decided that, uh, I, I talked about it, uh, last week I'm, I'm feeling, a lot of pressure with everything that's going on in in my life with sort of my wife and the job and the hobby jobs and everything like that. So I decided that I'm going to take a digital Shabbat one day a week, which will be a Saturday for me just because of I have some pre-existing commitments on Sundays that require tech. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go without any tech. So that is a day that I don't even boot up the computer. I don't check the iPad. I can have my phone around because, well, my phone doesn't have anything on it. Uh, And there's a couple of people that, you know, you obviously want to keep in touch with family and, and friends, but sure, you know, I, I don't have a temptation. I've got no social media on my phone. I've got no email on my phone. And so I just decided once a week, I am going to schedule an entire day without touching any tech. And I got the idea, I think something Cal Newport talked about a little while ago that he was contemplating it or doing it or something like that. And I hadn't really clued into it until I I came to that realization. So I, I started this last week, last Saturday. Wow. It's great to have such a free day. I loved it. Mm -hmm. I enjoyed it. It was a lot harder than I expected because there's always that, you know, especially when you're working from home, you just want to check in on things, make sure nothing's burning down. You know, I I work for a business that works seven days a week. So there's always somebody looking for something or some question that comes up and just deciding to let it go, let it all go and go completely analog that day was, was absolutely wonderful. So I, I don't know if there's a day that you could try it, but I would. Suggest, you know, when you have a day coming up, leave the tech, close the, close the lid on the laptop, uh, push it, put it in a drawer, 
uh, and see if you can get away with it for, for an entire day and reflect on, on how you think it was. Cause, um, it was a, it was a great experience for me. Excellent. So you're going to carry on doing that? I am. Yeah. I'm going to make it uh, Saturdays because I think Saturdays are the one day that there is nothing on the schedule that I must do online. And it'll allow me a little bit more time with the family outside of, you know, rushing around all the stuff that we're doing, just sure. day-to-day stuff at the moment. I think it's a great idea to, you know, find some time to do, do something nice as a family. Yeah. And that, that ties in a lot to our topic this week. Uh, which is going to be sort of on white space and margin. Mm-hmm. And that was me thinking about ways to protect my white space and protect my margin. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but this was my first thought. You know, I, I love doing the podcast with you because I start thinking about things, you know, as soon as we pick a topic, I'm already thinking about a week down the road. What do I want to say? What do I want to do? And quite often that'll lead me to look at my behaviors and realize here's something I want to talk about. And perhaps this isn't optimal. Mm. You know, we're, uh, I'm certainly not an expert in any of this stuff. I love exploring it. I love trying to figure out the best way to do it. And having to talk to you about it really does open the clarity in my eyes. So, uh, thank you, Stu. You're very welcome. And, and the same to you. I mean, I, I am expert. Um, I've, I've worked out that I'm expert in getting everything wrong. Um, consistently. So which is what we all aim for is consistent, but no, um, it's so easy to, uh, look at other people's habits and to look at things, you know, as an abstract mm-hmm. and start talking about them. And as you say, the minute you do, you think, and what do I do? Oh, oh, hang on. Hmm. Okay. Uh, and yeah, that's great. Um, you know, I, I'm a fiddler as well. <laughs> I like tweaking things and, and trying to make things better. So, uh, it probably works for both of us. And, Presumably anybody listening must be that way inclined too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love to hear back from people what they're, what they're getting out of this and hopefully they could take at least one thing out of each, each podcast that they can go and try and implement into, into their lives or at least create the internal dialogue, the internal monologue of, Hey, what am I doing? And is it optimal for you? And anyway. What pen are you writing with this week, Stu? Oh, my pen and ink. Um, I've got, because uh, I finished my Coeco Brass Sport. The cartridge um, died around about 10 o'clock today. So that's pretty good timing. Wow. And so I wanted another small pen because I've still got my, I've got my Sailor uh, Pro Gear Slim on the go and my Waterman Corent on the go. Mm. Uh, so that's, uh, I've got a slightly sort of orangey ink. I've got a little aquamarine ink. So I wanted a small pen and a serious ink for my little sort of trilogy of pens that I have on the go. And so I've got the Twisby Mini Vac. Mm. Um, so it's the the little brother of the Vac 700, which was pen of the week, I don't know, a month or two ago. It's a cracking little pen. They're, they are so well put together, these Twisbys. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a broad nib, so obviously you'd consider it a paintbrush, but it's lovely. They make really decent steel nibs and I've got the Pelican obsidian ink, Mm. which every time I use this, I'm more and more impressed. It makes every pen shine. It's such a sort of free flowing ink. It's beautiful. Is that the Pelican or the Lamy? Correct. Lamy. 
Lamy Obsidian, not Pelican. Lamy Obsidian. Yes. Such a free flying ink. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful ink. I, I, I love that. I haven't tried the VAC Mini. How much smaller is it in terms of ink capacity? Because I remember your last Wisby took, oh, weeks, if not months to write out. Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I'm going to get them and put them side by side. Mm, I'll fill some time podcasting. I'm back. Wow. Wow. That was quick. That was quick. I figured it was like a fridge thing. You know, you were gone for a while <laughs> out here, you know. No, my pens are never that far away. So there's a brass, brass ruler. If you're listening at home, imagine Stu sitting at his desk, holding two pens. <laughs> One of them is bigger than the other. He's broke out the tools. He broke out the brass ruler and he's going to give us the dimensions. Yeah. So the VAC 700 is uh, a little shy of six inches. So I say five and probably five and eight, 12, three quarters, something like that. And the, the the mini is four and a half. Also, oh, it is quite a bit shorter. Yeah, it's a, it's a proper pocket pen. If you don't post it, it's a little bit uncomfortable to write with. Ah, it's not quite Steinbeck then. Yeah, it's it's kind of on Steinbeck, but the balance is wrong. He said, um, <laughs> <laughs> just making it up as he goes along. I find the balance for me is wrong, but posted it works beautifully. It's a lovely pen. Excellent. Um, it's a great starter pen as well. Uh, anything by Twisby is a pretty good starter pen, but. Um, I love the mini. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's so much easier to get into than, than the big boys. Mm -hmm. Lovely. What about you, Justin? What have you been using? I've, I've had a rough week for a pen stew. I've had a rough couple of months actually for pens. I was going to say, this is becoming a habit. Yeah. I, and uh, so I'll talk, I'll talk about what I'm actually using. I got uh, a couple of new pens the other week. I used one of them last week, the Monteverdi, which was absolutely lovely. This week I'm using the Bennu chameleon fountain pen in a color called happy so i'm not sure if you've used any bennu pens i haven't no i've seen them but i've never actually written with one they're, they're made in russia of all places the which is very interesting uh and they are the shiniest sparkliest pens that i think are out there uh, this one in particular has a a sort of bluey, purpley color sheen throughout it. So it, it kind of looks blue in one area. You turn it a little bit, it kind of looks purpley. It's all shiny. And then it's got what can only be called bright silver crystals in it as well. So it's, it's absolutely sparkling and, uh, it's a fairly small pen, lovely little pen, uh, plastic or we will, we'll be nice and call it some sort of precious resin. Mm. And, and this isn't my first one. I, I quite like the Bennu pens. I saw this one and just fell in love with the color of it. It's uh, one of the other hobbies I do is building model cars. And I've actually got some paints that replicate this type of um, shimmering finish. So love this. Uh, I did get it. And the nib out of the box sucked. Oh. And I, you know, I, I fixed it up. It was uh, bent in a little bit. So the bottom of the nib was not wide enough to let the ink flow. So I had to uh, bend the nib back and then straighten it. And of course, I'm still looking for some of my supplies. One of the things I, I have somewhere is some brass shims that I can go through and use for cleaning a nib and also for sizing a nib. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know where they are. So I'm kind of doing this by hand, you know, a, a little barbarian style. But I was just so disappointed, not an inexpensive pen by any stretch, but in three pens, two of them have been almost unwritable out of the box. Mm. And this got me thinking about the problems I had with fountain pens. Like most of us of a certain age, I grew up having to use a fountain pen at school and well, you get out into the working world and you're given the standard BIC that I think uh, the world used instead of fancy pens because they just disappear. And it took me a while to get back to fountain pens. And the problem I had was my, my school age fountain pen was beat to, you know, I I was a teenager. They're, they're never treated well. Uh, you know, they're used to, carve your name into the back of a bus seat and, uh, you know, <laughs> um, all, all of those things other than what it was actually meant for. But I, I've bought several pens over the years wanting to write nicely. And, you know, you go to the local office supply store and you get a pen and it doesn't write and it goes in a drawer, it gets thrown out, you know, again, you're not spending a lot of money on these pens, but they are what's available, what's readily available. The internet sort of changed that, you know, the ability to get good pens, to find good pens. It wasn't until I treated myself to a Mont Blanc that I realized the love of a fountain pen again. And that is as much as Mont Blanc is a luxury brand that you, you pay for the name the quality of the nibs is fantastic. You get one out of the box and it is going to write beautifully. And that's what turned me back onto fountain pens. And I feel like I'm turned off a little bit by these, a few hundred dollar pens, which are, which are not inexpensive by any stretch, especially for the average consumer out on the street. If they wanted to get into fountain pens and they got one of these steel nib pens, which are arguably uh, perhaps slightly above what you would expect as an entry-level pen. And it wrote like, well, it wrote like crap because that's what these were. I, I think it would just, it would just kill the desire, the interest, the momentum. And I, I really worry about quality control, you know, have, there was a discussion on pen, pen addict this week. Have we reached peak stationary? And I was thinking about that. What's that use do? Do you have any thoughts on quality control and particularly for uh, new people coming into the hobby? Yeah. I mean, I think, um, whenever I'm talking to people about fountain pens, uh, particularly as you say, sort of returners or newbies, I'm quite cautious about brands. There are some brands that I would recommend people go to, to sort of, you know, get themselves going. And there are others that I, I don't, I say, you can't really go to, well, you can, but the sort of person who you can sit down and say, well, you're going to get back into pens. I'd get out there and get yourself a Mont Blanc if I were you, that is most people aren't really looking to invest that much. Mm-hmm. So I would, depending on how much people are looking to spend, then I go for what I consider to be sort of banker brands because I've never, ever had a bad Pelican nib, for example. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pelican's getting up there though, in terms of price, they're not far behind Mont Blanc. 
short for the big boys, but if you go down to a smaller Pelican, a 205 mm -hmm. uh, or 405 with a steel nib, then you're going to get a reliable steel nib pen that looks the part, um, fills very well, writes very well. And I, I've never come across a bad nib. I'm sure there have been, but mm -hmm. um, that sort of brand I think works. If we're going sort of, you know, lower levels, uh, lower investment levels, then things like Twisby, um, I think are great value for money. And generally speaking, they come pretty good, but if they don't, they can be fixed very quickly and very easily. Mm -hmm. And I think people look at them and go, okay, this is the kind of pen where you might expect to have the odd little issue now and again, perhaps. But it comes with instructions of how to sort of deconstruct it and reconstruct it. And, um, again, I have to say, m most of the nibs that I've had on Twisbees have been absolutely fine. <laughs> I've never had a problem either. Yeah, there are other brands that are, you know, good brands, great, great pens, where I am really cautious around nibs. So um, at Nero's, we sell Kueco. Um, I love Kueco pens. I'm a huge fan of the, the metal brass uh, pen, well, all the metals, to be honest, the Kueco Sport. But the nibs are ropey. <laughs> um, that's the, the the bottom line. Is I don't know if there's a uh, a percentage, but it's not unusual for us to get a, a customer come back to us and say, "Oh, this nibs a bit," and we we carry a su a supply of spare ones and, mm -hmm. and send them out to customers and say, they, "The great thing is they're easy to change in and change out." Mm -hmm. um, I think they're one of the few things. Fancy pens are one of the few things that I would say. If you can buy in person, buy in person. Mm -hmm. um, I'm a huge fan of internet shopping. Obviously, I run an internet store, but a fountain pen is so personal because a, a nib that would be perfect for me might not work for you, for example. That's another vagary <laughs> we get into. But if you buy at a pen show or you buy at a good pen retailer, you can try the pen there and then. Mm. And if it isn't writing properly, don't leave. I mean, that would be my advice. In some sort of, shall we say, big box stores, they're just going to look at you blankly when you say, this isn't quite right. But if it's a small specialist stationery store or a um, even better at a pen show, uh, there will be nibsmiths on hand um, who not only will be, they'll be able to fix it, they may even be able to customize a nib specifically to you, which I would recommend doing as well. Um, so yeah, I think quality control is an issue for some brands. Um, and I think it probably is across all businesses and all industries. Um, but as you say, with, with fountain pens, it's so critical that, you know, I don't recommend newbies buy Coeco online. If you know Coeco, if you know your pens and how they work, then fine. Because then when I get a Coeco out of stock and I start writing, oh, hang on. I know whether I've got a real nib problem or whether I just need to get a little micro mesh onto it because I know the pen. But yeah, I would agree with you. It's uh, it's a little bit annoying, particularly when you you know spend more money and you start getting up into that area where you think, well, you know, this should work. On the other hand, you and I would say that you know Apple Kit should work, <laughs> sometimes doesn't do, and probably costs quite a lot more. But yeah, it's it's a thing. It's definitely a thing. If you are looking to get back into pens, talk to a pen nerd. That's, you know one. You might not know that you know one, but trust me, <laughs> there are many of us out there.
Um, and we can, we can guide you. We can send you in the right direction. Mm. And if anybody's listening, by all means, drop us an email and, uh, ask us your question and we'll answer it. We're not the pen addict. Uh, we're not Brad or Mike, but you know, we've been around a while. We've, we've used a pen all four. Uh, we'll be able to point you in the right direction. I'm sure. And it won't be a Mont Blanc for your first one. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, unless that's what you want in which case, carry on. Uh, yes. Uh, Steve may have a couple of those to sell. <laughs> Certainly not. <laughs> so I use two different inks in this pen. You can find out you've got a problem with a pen when you actually have to switch the ink. Uh, because of the beautiful sheen of the material in it, I started with KWZ's Sheen Machine 2. Try saying that fast. AWZ standard sheen machine too. You're right. It's not easy. Which is a, an absolutely gorgeous ink, but because it's sheening is quite thick and that didn't write at all. I felt like I was writing with a piece of charcoal. Uh, it was horrible. So I, I ended up uh, dumping that and then putting in the Pelican Edelstein topazing, which is absolutely gorgeous. Yep. Uh, a beautiful blue. And you know, when we're talking about Pel Pelican being good, their inks are just fantastic as well. Mm -hmm. They just flow really nicely. They're not too wet. They're not too dry. They're just a really, really nice, solid ink. So if yeah, that's, that's Pelican, isn't it? That's Pelican. It's solid all the way through. Solid may not be the most exciting, the most sheeny, the most, you know, whatever, uh, new and shiny that you're looking for. But it just works and that's always good absolutely all right i, I want to talk uh, about white space the pause what do you call it margin 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 very very american term i'm, I'm learning what is margin what is white space there's a huge value of having white space in your life i think of it as excess capacity but I also like to think of it as an excess capacity that can be thinking time, which is why I know Stu likes the word margin. I like the word white space. I kind of have this big vision of it as I'm sitting down during this time and I've got a big open whiteboard in my life that I can fill up however I want to. And quite often, you know, if you sit at a whiteboard, you could be extremely creative. You sit at a computer with a word processor. You're going to type letters into it. You sit at a spreadsheet, you're going to type numbers into it. On a whiteboard, you can do graphs and lines and happy little pictures if you feel like it. And so that's, that's kind of the way I like to build in my, my margin is thinking about it as a time for thinking for creativity, but it's a time that can go away very, very quickly. The idea of margin been that you've got a space that you can fill up. It's the difference between here's what I can do physically possible running all out and what I should do, because that gives me a little bit extra of that time. Mm -hmm. How do you think about white space margin? What, what gets you into that point where you can create time that doesn't get taken by the tyranny of the urgent? Well, um, for me, I, I like to think of it as there was a time back when Justin and I were young that 
there was an expectation that you sort of went to work at around 9 a.m. and that you came home at around half past five. And that time from half past five through to 9 a.m., you did loads of different things, but what you didn't do was any work. <laughs> so work was very much constrained to within a, a fixed time. And somehow or other, the world got to a place where, you know, we might say, okay, guys, we've got a big push on. So the holidays are coming. We're working in retail. So we're going to ask everybody to come in at 8 a.m. Okay, an extra hour where we're, we're as, a, as a company, we're biting into the margins here. We're, we're taking some time away from you as an individual and asking you to donate it to the company because, you know, it's, it's the season, it's coming, it's a push. We got to a point where that's now expected full-time. So if you're not asleep, then you're working. You're connected through your, your electronic devices. You're thinking about the challenges of the day ahead. You're considering the great challenge that the company is facing, or you're working on your side hustle, which is going to make you a multimillionaire one day. And it's just go, 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 go. And so then when you need to do a big push, well, there's, there's no space. You're already at big push. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the inevitable outcome of that is overwhelm. And the, the, I've put a quote into the notes, which I'm now going to read to everybody, whether you like it or not, <laughs> um, which I got from the, the course I was doing, the focus course academy, which I've referenced about a million times on this podcast. But the quote actually comes from Richard Swenson, uh, and his book, margin restoring emotional, physical, financial, and time reserves to overloaded lives. Ooh. Try and say that after a pint of Guinness. Uh, and he wrote. Margin is the space between our load and our limits. It is the amount allowed beyond that which is needed. It is something held in reserve for contingencies or unanticipated situations. Margin is the gap between rest and exhaustion, the space between breathing freely and suffocating. Margin is the opposite of overload. If we are overloaded, we have no margin. Most people are not quite sure when they pass from margin to overload. Threshold points are not easily measurable and are also different for different people in different circumstances. We don't want to be underachievers, heaven forbid, so we fill our schedules uncritically. Options are as attractive as they are numerous, and we overbook. So that to me is what margin is all about, is the ability now for me to look at my calendar and see that I have the ability to turn things up and to turn things down. Mm -hmm. So I aim to finish working at around about, I'm going to say six thirty, seven o'clock, which sounds really late, but it isn't because during the day, I've already taken some time for a nap. I kid you not. Um, I have taken time to walk the dog. Uh, oh, sorry, dogs. I do apologize, dogs. Um, and to sit down and have a coffee with my wife who comes home at around, well, it varies, but around about 3 p.m. So I have a sort of 
evening session where my wife is getting busy with stuff that she needs to do, where I've got another hour or two that I can, can donate to work. Mm -hmm. So within that, I have areas of margin. So, you know, oh, there's a big push on, we've got to do this thing. We've got to do that thing. All right. Maybe I won't have a nap. <laughs> maybe the dog will get a shorter walk or maybe you know, Saturdays or Sundays I can work, but I'm very, very conscious now that this is my time that I'm spending mm -hmm. and it's my reserve, not just of time, but of energy, mm -hmm. because I think that what margin is most important for is R and R uh, rest and recuperation. That's where we recharge our energy levels and our creativity levels is by doing all of those things that are fun, that, you know, keep us smiling, that help with the family. All of those things I think are really important in restoring us because work by and large takes a lot out of us. Mm. And if you have no margin, then you're not re-energizing. And if you don't re-energize, then just, you know, your batteries deplete. <laughs> you are just, you're just like a MacBook. You will run out of charge. And, you know, I, I, I'm aware of times in my life where I have been running with no margin and I've been trying to get stuff done and really working and focusing very hard. And when I look back at my achievements during that time, primary achievement is I'm really busy. And then you look at what that means and that doesn't mean anything good. Mm -hmm. Who cares how busy you are? What did you achieve? What was the output? What was the outcome? And my better output and better outcome is when I'm, when I have margin and when I sit back and go, do you know what? I could do that thing on my list right now, but I'm not going to. That'll, the, the list, the list will never end. I'm sure you've got, I don't know, 5,000 things in your OmniFocus database, probably more knowing you. You're not going to finish those at any time. Your OmniFocus will outlive you. <laughs> and, <laughs> and once we get away from that idea of we have to finish it, then I think it's possible for us to say, oh, well, okay, it's six o'clock. It's time for me to stop now. And I can go upstairs to the rest of my house feeling comfortable that, yep, the things are on my list, the stuff that I've still got some energy left that I can put into, I know, cooking dinner or talking to my wife or playing with the dogs. And, you know, I'm, I'm not sort of uh, and collapsing in front of Netflix. <laughs> it's, it's a tough one when you're talking about that. I'm just kind of looking at my own life at the moment and, you know, feeling a little bit of an overwhelm and part of mm. trying to create that margin back in my life, whatever that looks like, you know. One of the things I talked about earlier is taking the digital Shabbat. And that means that I, I'm making a commitment to myself that I'm not going to work on a Saturday, Sunday. Hey, that's a whole different story. Sure. But I have one day that I can disconnect from work and whether that's a hobby job, such as podcasting, writing, whether that's a jobby job in terms of sort of those commitments. Uh, that is a, that is a time for me to get some, some sort of margin, some space. It's not the best time just doing it once a week. Mm -hmm. You know, ideally the best is to have a little bit each day, 
we were talking the last couple of weeks, Stu's um, newfound book, uh, At Your Best, mm. Kerry Newhoff. Looking at his, his book and his green, yellow, red times really pushed me to think about this margin. You know, it's, it's been sort of this bubbling up. As everybody knows by now, my wife is going through chemo. That is very challenging because we live in a small town and the hospital is in the next city down the street. So there is a lot of commuting time involved. My wife, of course, going through treatments, um, not really the best idea to have her get behind a car, you know, when she's feeling for sure like one does. Uh, so I'm, I'm spending a lot of time Ubering back and forth. Pandemic is certainly changing the way that I do things because in the old days I would have just taken the laptop. I would have gone, sat and waited for her. Now I'm not allowed in. She has to produce her vaccine card even to get into the hospital. It's, it's just a whole lot of, uh, faffing about for want of a better word. Mm -hmm. and, and this week I was looking, I, I've been trying to figure out where my green times were. And we had one doctor's appointment one day. We had a lab appointment the other day um, because of local staffing. They, they did something really good in our province. They said, uh, healthcare providers, if you are not vaccinated, you cannot work. And that uh, all of a sudden the lab in our town is closed and we have to drive down to the city for lab work. Mm -hmm. There were two trips down for chemotherapy this week, one to drop her off one several hours later to pick her up. And I'm just looking at this and all of those fall right into my green time, Stu. Sure. I, and that just is very, very tough when you're running with very low margin, mm -hmm. because what you're doing is I'm forcing what gets displaced from my green time, the stuff that I really, really need to get to that gets pushed into, well, yellow or realistically red times for me. You know, the times that I'm least productive are now the times that I need to be on the ball. And the one thing that, you know, margin comes into that is margin gets squeezed. And I found myself without any margin. Uh, you know, I, I think I sat down and watched one hour of TV this last week, which I think, you know, I, I like to sit down, you know, and spend a little bit of time with my wife who's usually on the couch or in bed at the moment with, mm -hmm. with her health challenges. Um, I like to spend some time with her. You know, we, we do spend meal time together, but really I'm doing something on the go all day long, whether it's working, working on the, the podcast and on the blog, working on uh, the stuff around the house, looking after the dogs, looking after the housework. Um, it's, it's just crushed my margin. So I'm, I'm working very, very hard to realize that lack of margin, as you said, can lead to overwhelm. And I was approaching that point where I was starting to feel that way. And that's not a good place for any one of us to be. So I'm, I'm taking some steps for this. And the other thing that I found is when you're focused on tasks, I'm losing my creativity. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I'm hitting whack-a-mole. Yep. I'm not sure if you guys have that back in England. <laughs> I, I, yes. Well, certainly it's, we know what it is. All right. Um, you know, it, it is a task, uh, with a deadline. They did, you know, here's something that needs to be done. Whack hit that. The next task pops up and you're straight onto that. There's no gap in between to take a breath, 
to be creative, to even rethink your day. You know, I I'm forcing myself to sit down and prioritize my day. And I can tell you one thing that's really interesting. My daily analog card is getting shorter and shorter and shorter because the things that I want to do that are on my list that I, I would consider the big things, you know, I'm not making dinner is not going on my list. You know, taking the dog out is not on the list, but those things have become much more important. And I've realized that my capacity to hit anything else has shrunk. And so I think I've got four things on my list for today. Sure. Um, let me interrupt you and let me, let me stop you. Cause I think first having less things on, on the list is no problem, but I challenge that things that used to not go on the list shouldn't now go on the list because inevitably life does this to us all. And right now it's doing, doing it to you with ears on. So it has turned around to you and said, okay, all the things that you thought were important and all the things that you thought were great uses of your time are now second division mm. because in the first division, we have got a wife who needs well, a helping hand a wife who needs practical transporting around Canada, which as far as I remember, is a very, very, very big place. There are, there are few drives in Canada that are five minutes, I'm guessing. <laughs> so it's very demanding of your time. And you know, that, that needs to go at the top of your card. Mm. If you've got, if you've got a, a trip down to the hospital or down to the lab, you know, and I know that that's several hours from your day. Mm -hmm. And I think putting it on the card just reinforces, well, hang on, my priorities for this period have changed. And then bang, there goes half my day, fine. Because that's the most important thing I could be doing right now is doing that. So that goes on my card. And at the end of the day, it gets, you know, blacked out or ticked off or, you know, whatever system you're using. Because I think that that's an important reinforcing message to ourselves to say, what I thought was important four weeks ago is not important now. Mm -hmm. It will be in, you know, two, three, four, six, however many months it will become important again. But right now things have to change. And the, the challenge, as you say, is to find enough margin to sit there and go, okay, what else needs to change? Mm. You know, do you need to say, get someone to come in and help do the housework? I appreciate the challenges that presents in a pandemic time and, you know, all the other challenges that are associated, but that's where I think, you know, you're a smart guy. That's where your creativity needs to come now to say, right, I need to look at how I'm going to rejig this. And it's, it's hard. Um, you know, the listener maybe doesn't know, but my wife was confined to bed from pretty much the day that COVID became real in Europe. Uh, my wife went to bed and didn't get out of bed for four and a half months. Wow. And I, I mean, did not get out of bed. She, she couldn't go to the bathroom, nothing, uh, because of a, a problem with her spine. And so I was in a very similar position to Justin where suddenly the, <laughs> the world was different. And I was like, every time I sit down to do something, um, I'm reminded often by text that <laughs> there are other things I need to be doing. And, uh, it's a huge challenge and I, I feel for you because it, it turns your whole thinking process upside down. Do you get to the point where I would, 
I would celebrate a victory if I'd managed to get Margaret looked after, um, the grocery shopping done and the dogs walked mm -hmm. big day. Wow. Knocked it out of the park. And, and get me wrong. I was exhausted with it. And if I could get, you know, one hour of work, then that was, that was massive. Uh, and I had to learn to, to move my, my green zone. I had to train myself to move it and say, you know, my green zone can't be at this time. So it's going to have to be an hour here and an hour there. And if that means I need to have a nap then for 15 minutes or 20 minutes, that's what I'll try and do. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, it's hugely difficult, particularly if I suspect you went into this with no margin, mm -hmm. just like I went in with no margin, a full day commitments all day commitments for every week, things that only I could do. If I didn't do them, they didn't get done. Uh, and then suddenly you've got this huge raft of tasks. Let's call it four hours a day minimum, just plonked on top of a day that's already full. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, something's got to give. So, you know, for me, it's things like I used to play golf three times a week. I now play once. Mm. Um, that saves me some hours. I've looked at someone come in and, and do some, some stuff in the house some cleaning. Mm -hmm. Um, not because Margaret can't, but, but she's busy now I'm busy now. And it seemed to me, you know, a reasonable win because a, as anybody will tell you, men don't clean properly. But my wife used to tell me that all the time, even from her bed. <laughs> That's about it. She can't see it and she could still tell you you've not cleaned properly. Yeah. She could still tell me that I hadn't done it properly. So, you know, things like that were a, were a big adjustment and I, you know, I appreciate that that's a luxury that is available to me and, and might not be available to everyone, but finding, finding a way of coping with that, those new realities, I think we're terrible at it. Mm -hmm. We, we immediately assume, okay, there's a new reality. So I'll do everything that I was doing before, plus another six hours a day. Fine. All I need to do is give up sleep. Lovely. Um, it just doesn't work. Um. And you, you reach that place where you just go, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't do anything. Well, the batteries go and you just collapse in a heap. Mm -hmm. I, I got a question for you. How did you find space to even, you know, things like looking for help to come into the house? Uh, I feel like I've not even got enough margin over the last little while mm. to sit down and think about things like that. You know, what, what can I what can I delegate? And I hate to use that word delegation because it sounds mm. so privileged. Sure. Um, and I, I, that's one of the things that I always, you know, the productivity people drive me nuts. Well, if you, if, if it's below you, give it to somebody else. It's like, well, no, somebody else, um, still gets stuck with that. Sure. And, and I don't mean that in a, in, in a bad way. It's just, you know, there are certain things that I think you have to delegate in a, in a proper and, and considered way rather than just looking at them. Oh, they're below me. But, but even coming to that and saying, okay, you know, um, what, what can I get done? You know, I, again, I'm, I'm new in town. I don't have a lot of, uh, support network here, so I don't know anybody that can come in and clean. So that would be a research project as well. Sure. Uh, you know, and part of why maybe that's not even really across my mind at this point. Um, you know, yesterday I really could have used somebody to help, uh, rake the leaves of that really big tree that I have that decided it didn't want to have any more leaves for the rest of the year. 
I, I haven't had, I, I've just been so busy. Yep. Whack-a-mole hitting that task on task on task. Uh, do you have any thoughts, suggestions on protecting your, your margin from, from things you went through last year, Sue? Yeah. I mean, there's no easy answers, as you say. Um, I think you have to do things that I suspect are probably anathema to you. So you have to reach out to family members and say, you know, the general upkeep of the house, the cleaning and all that stuff uh, is taking a lot of time, time that could be better spent somewhere else. Find a way that somebody can come and do that for me and just make it someone else's problem and say, you know, to, you know, great uncle Bulgaria or, you know, brother or whatever, find me someone who can do this. Mm-hmm. Um, because actually those people right now are on the outside feeling useless because they really want to help because they like you and they like your wife. They don't know how to help. Well, they like my wife anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a bit close to home for me as well. But um, <laughs> if, you know, you have to sort of just say that, look, help me. And most people that I did that to went, okay, all right, cool. And then came back to me and sure, you're still involved in the process and they sort of come back with choices and you think, just solve the problem. Don't give me choices, give me answers. But at the end of the day, it helped. And so, you know, you also have to think about the unthinkable. You have to think about the, um, um, you know, the, the challenges and say, all right, so how many hours are being involved in, uh, in me being an Uber driver? Mm. Oh, what about using an Uber driver? Um, because this is going to be a long term is the wrong word, but this isn't going to be finished next week. Is it? This is something that's going to go on for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there's, there's the, the pro obviously that you get some time back and there's the con that you're not there for your wife, you know, physically. And you have to consider that. And she has to, this isn't a decision just for you, obviously, but those types of unthinkable things you need to think about because there's a new reality that you live in. Mm -hmm. Um, and we all instantly make sort of, you know, instinctive decisions, I think, and say, right, okay, you need to go to the hospital, I'll take you to the hospital. Uh, now for me, it was quite straightforward. It was easy. I couldn't take Margaret to the hospital because I, big, big guy that I am, I can't actually lift both ends of a stretcher. And that was the only way we could move her. So we had to use an ambulance and, you know, all the fun and games that that entails. At one point, you know, Margaret was in hospital and I couldn't go and visit her because of COVID. And she was in for, I don't know, she was in for a week or something. And for a couple of days I was allowed as a visitor, I, you know, they basically sort of sprayed me with disinfectant as I came through the door. <laughs> and then they, you know, I turned up one day and they said, no, you can't come in. What do you mean I can't come in? Well, you can't come in. Particularly because in the Mediterranean, healthcare is different here. So in the Mediterranean, the, the welfare of the patient that the hospital looks after is medical. They don't look after the, the patient's welfare um, in terms of food, drink, comfort. The family do that. Oh, wow. Except when you're not allowed in. So it's like, Okay. This is even now. Margaret was in a was in a, a a private hospital, and it wasn't as basic as it could have been mm. if if she'd been in one of the state hospitals here, because the private hospital is set on a more sort of northern European American type model, if you like. But um, all of those considerations, where you know, I was reaching out to friends and just giving them updates on 
on her condition. And they were all saying, well, is there anything we can do? And you go, oh, yeah, you could cook. Yeah, <laughs> you could make dinner happen. Because, sure, I can make dinner happen. I want to make dinner happen. I want to cook for my wife. But it's an hour. Mm. You know, she's got to eat healthy food. She's got to eat the right balanced nutrients, uh, which means I have to shop, which means I have to do this. I have to, you know, all of those things you have to consider. And as you say, you know, find time to consider, which is already possible. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's difficult. But the advice that I would give, not you, but anyone in this position is, is, you know, look at every single hour of your day and say, do I need to be doing that now? Mm-hmm. Whether it be cleaning the house, whether it be, um, you know, a leisure activity, whether it be certain elements of work, you reach out to work and you say, John, you've been developing really well. And next week you really are going to develop a lot because here's 25% more work. Boom. <laughs> and, you know, that there, again, John is probably a, a hungry person looking to, to advance himself. And we'll see it as an opportunity. Uh, and obviously you're a nice fellow and you're going to keep an eye on joining to try and help him out where you can. But even if you can save yourself two hours, John's going to feel like a million dollars. You're going to feel great. And you've got two more hours for Cindy. And that's, you know, that's gold dust right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I found, you know, even creating Saturday as a day of margin was mm. uh, a day that was a day of catch up of the things that needed to be done. Sure. Running around, you know, all the, all the stuff that, that goes along with, with, uh, running a family and, uh, you know, helping everybody out and making sure everybody's supported. Yeah. So again, not a lot of margin there. I'm hoping as this sort of, um, becomes a, a weekly habit mm-hmm. that it will, it will get better. But yeah, I think you're, you're exactly right. I just need to take, you know, and, and today's Friday. So tomorrow is a, is a good day for me. Mm-hmm. I need to really sit down and wrestle with some of these things again i think that's that's why i want to talk about margin and and the white space because i i don't have enough white space and i haven't for for a little while now but it's you know it, ju- it just keeps pushing and pushing to the point where you just start feeling it that uh, it's it's something that i need to build back and i need to have that creativity to look at the problems exactly as you say mm. and say what are the solutions from this other than you know, just at the moment, I'm just so low on margin that it's the next thing that pops up. I'm just going to whack that task, whack them all, whack them all and move on. Absolutely. And it's, you know, I mean, I had a a couple of sort of examples that made me laugh was I'm, I'm reasonably well house trained. Okay. My, my parents were in the military. I went to a boarding school. Um, so I, I know how to wash. I know how to do laundry. I know how to I, and I, I know how to run everything in a house. I, I, I'm a good cook. So all these things are fine, but I'm also very pragmatic. So Margaret, Margaret, you know, lying, lying in her bed going, oh, have you ironed that t-shirt? <laughs> no, Margaret, I haven't. I haven't ironed a t-shirt in 15 years. What? I don't iron t-shirts, Margaret. <laughs> well, I do. Mm, not when you're lying on your back, you don't do. And I just say to her, I, I don't have time to iron t-shirts. Guess what? Margaret doesn't iron t-shirts anymore. <laughs> you know, I mean, my, Margaret's uh, Italian, so she was ironing my boxer shorts, which is something that I I will never understand. The day I die, why would you bother? Anyway, um, so just, you know, the sort of pragmatic approach of going, okay, well, 
yep, I know that in Margaret's sort of mind's eye, you do the washing, you dry it, and then you, you iron it. No, I'm not going to iron that. I'm not going to iron that. I'm not going to iron Lockdown helped me out a little bit. <laughs> was, nobody was going anywhere. But um, uh, well, what else did I do? Um, I, stopped, I stopped wearing cotton T-shirts. I only wore um, workout T-shirts, you know, like Under Armour stuff. Mm-hmm. Because you can wash it in about 30 minutes. It dries in about 30 minutes. You don't need to iron it. Mm. You literally shake it and it looks the same as it did when you put it in. Um, (laughs) There we go. That would save me, you know, I don't know, cumulative. That might save me an hour a week. But it was stuff like that I was doing and discovering. Just thinking, yeah, why would I, why would I wear trousers? Just wear these, you know, basketball shorts, (laughs) put them in, put them back on, fine. which is, you know, not necessarily the greatest advice ever, but it's that type of thing that you do to get yourself the time to say, right, I'm going to sit down for an hour. And do you know what? I'm just going to read a book. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that was really, really good for me, and, and a coincidence perhaps, was that I had committed to not drinking alcohol for the whole year 2020. <laughs> and I'm absolutely certain that I could not have got through those first six months with a hangover. Mm. I just, I just couldn't have managed it. <laughs> you know, it's actually funny that you bring this up. One of the things I had noticed is, you know, I've, I, I, I'm not adverse to a, a little tipple as a nightcap at night. I mm-hmm. quite enjoy sitting down with a glass of brandy. Sure. Uh, but I had noticed over the last little while that that single glass of brandy was becoming two glasses of brandy and perhaps even a third. And it was a point. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I got to the point, uh, last week that I cut out alcohol as well. You know, I, I realized, uh, much like we've talked in the past, it it's moderation is hard. Mm. Uh, the absolutes are much easier. Sure. Either no alcohol or some alcohol. All the alcohol. Yeah. And, and so I cut that out as well and realized that that is again, it's a coping mechanism, right? You sit down uh, for 10 minutes before bed and you, you down a, a glass of something and what was a pleasure, you know, I, I, I love doing that. I love having a glass of brandy, sure. reading a book, relaxing from the day, just letting everything go uh, helps me get to sleep quite easily. Um, you know, the, the positive things out of that. But when all of a sudden you start drinking too much, it's, it's really one of those things that there's a, this is a slippery slope. So yeah, I'm, I've got to doing the same thing that you did. Uh, good. That will, that will certainly help with your energy levels, I would say. Mm-hmm. But, um, the, I mean, the other thing I found, um, one last bit of advice is we're going to be going for about five hours otherwise, but one thing that I took me a couple of months to work out was that where tension was building up between Margaret and me, um, I felt that she was being unreasonably demanding. Um, and then felt terrible for feeling that she was being unreasonably demanding because clearly she was in pain and she was unable to move and, you know, there was no fun for her, but we didn't talk about it. And once we started talking about it and I would say, look, it would really help me. I'm order. Cause I call it a order. If you, if you could maybe just not text me for a couple of hours, just so that I can get those things that I need to get done, done. And then I'm all yours. Um, and, and she would say, okay, yeah, that, that's doable. It's just, I'm never sure how to ask you something or because, you know, I, I know you're doing so much and I know this is really difficult for you and I feel really bad. And she was feeling 
worse than I was. But we just didn't find a way to communicate to each other that I could think of nothing more important in my life than to look after her right then. And all I wanted was to find a way to manage to do that effectively. And all she wanted was not to be imposing upon me. So once we had those conversations, then we would become, we were able to laugh a lot more about the ridiculousness of it all about the, the fact that she would have to ask me for everything, you know, something that's two foot away. She would need me to come up the stairs and get it and hand it to her. And, you know, that type of stuff. We, we, we got to a place where we could laugh and yeah, and you get better at it. You both do because you get a bit of practice and you start understanding, uh, the rhythms and routines of, of the new reality in which you live. Mm. And then just when you get good at it, it changes back again. Yeah, this is, this is sort of a, a moving target, but anyway, I think we've talked enough about, for sure about family. What do you, what do you take away, Stu? And how do you, how do you deal with margin in your, in your life when everything sort of starts sliding? Any takeaways? Yeah, I've got a few surprise, surprise people say, um, one, there's always more to do. Okay. Your, your to-do list is never finished. So uh, have the discipline to allot yourself a finish time. And you can, you can allot yourself two finish times. You can have, this is my finish time. And this is my using my margin finish time. And your plan is always to finish on the first, but accept that now and again, you will need to go to the second. Smart. But when you get to those times or when you, your body, your mind is just going, no, I'm done. You're done. Don't feel bad about it. Obviously, try not to stop in the middle of some crucial thing. You know, don't go to sleep behind the wheel, for example. But when you're done, you're done. And you have to listen to your body. Your body will tell you. Um, because if you don't, then you're just going to run straight into a wall. And that hurts. Excellent advice. Uh, for everybody, and particularly for me, thank you, Stu. You're welcome. Uh, my my takeaway is is to encourage everybody to really build in your white space because you don't notice it disappearing until it's gone. And it's something that you need to protect, protect above all, because if you, if you don't look after yourself, it's hard to look after anybody else. And I think that's a lesson that I'm learning and trying to really build a, build a wall around my white space. So I, my, I have some margin to, to deal with everything that comes up, you know, um, you know, we talked a lot about the family aspect. I'm also dealing with some, some challenges at work and, uh, you know, everything it's, it's not just one thing. Um, but obviously that is the one thing that really has kicked me in the margin as you would, uh, you could say. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, cool. Let us know what you do to, uh, let me know particularly what you do uh, to protect your white space, uh, to protect your margin. Uh, because really this is something that is a struggle for me at the moment. And I'd love to hear, uh, some ideas from everybody because uh, I certainly appreciate Stu's, but Hey, everybody has a different approach. And, uh, if I can pick out a pearl of wisdom from everywhere, uh, so much the better for me. All right, Stu, great conversation. Thank you so much. Where can people find you on the internet? Uh, well, you can find me all over it. Uh, I'm at stuartlennon.com. Uh, <laughs> nerosnotes.co.uk which 
by the time this show goes out, we'll have a brand new look. So go and check it out. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Lennon. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? Well, I was about to go to Nero's notes and then I realized that you said by the time the episode comes out, so it's probably not changed yet. Um, you can find me at justintwyfer.com. Uh, writeexperience.com is my blog that is a little um, lacking in updates because, hey, margin, we know about that one. You can find me on Twitter, JJ Twyford. And if you do have any comments for us, please feel free to email us, stationeryadjacent.gmail.com. Really appreciate your feedback. Uh, please like and review us on your podcast catch of choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Our next topic, which I think segues quite nicely into this, is willpower. Uh, there's some debate in the world of whether willpower is finite or infinite. Um, so we're going to have a conversation of that. And Stu even has some homework. He's going to go read uh, Baumaster's work on that. So until then, goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.